1 Samuel chapter 10. Then Samuel took the vial of oil and poured it on his head. Then he kissed him and said, Hasn't Yahweh anointed you to be prince over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, then you will find two men by Rachel's tomb on the border of Benjamin at Zelzar. They will tell you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found, and behold, your father has stopped caring about the donkeys and is anxious for you, saying, what shall I do for my son? Then you'll go on forward from there, and you will come to the oak of Tabor. Three men will meet you there going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three young goats and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a container of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hand. After that, you will come to the hill of God where the garrison of the Philistines is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the high place with a lute, a tambourine, a pipe and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Then Yahweh's spirit will come mightily on you. Then you will prophesy with them and will be turned into another man. Let it be when these signs have come to you that you do what is appropriate for the occasion for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what you are to do. It was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs happened that day. When they came there to the hill, behold, a band of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came mightily on him, and he prophesied among them. When all who knew him before that saw, behold, he prophesied with the prophets. Then the people said to one another, What is this that has come to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? One from the same place answered, Who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Where did you go? He said, To seek the donkeys. When we saw that they were not to be found, we came to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys were found. But concerning the matter of the kingdom, of which Samuel spoke, he didn't tell him. Samuel called the people together to Yahweh at Mizpah, and he said to the children of Israel, Yahweh the God of Israel says, I brought Israel up out of Egypt, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saves you out of all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before Yahweh by your tribes and by your thousands. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by their families, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. Then Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore they asked of Yahweh further, Is there yet a man to come here? Yahweh answered, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and got him there. When he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom Yahweh has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? 
All the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the regulations of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before Yahweh. Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Saul also went to his house in Gibeah, and the army went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But certain worthless fellows said, How could this man save us? They despised him, and they brought him no tribute, but he held his peace. In this chapter, we've got the anointing of Saul to be the king. So it seems from what I've read and from the Bible and from comments that there were three stages for Saul to become the king. The first stage was the anointing where Saul, where Samuel poured the oil on him. So that was a private event. Um, Samuel knew he was anointing him to be king. Saul knew he'd been anointed king, but nobody else knew. He wasn't recognized as king by the whole country. That's step one. Step two was this process where the whole nation was gathered at Mizpah and the Holy Spirit showed everyone in front of everyone that Saul had been chosen. That was step two. So he was publicly chosen in front of everyone. But step three is where he wins the hearts of everyone. And that's in the next chapter. We'll get to that. So there's this process of um, him becoming aware that God's calling him, number one. Number two, everyone else becoming aware that God's calling him. But number three, everyone realizing he's capable for the job and accepting him in their own hearts. And so similar types of things happen in the choosing pretty much of a lot of leaders in in church life. You know, people realize that the Lord's calling them and then other people realize the Lord's calling them and then finally other people accept them. You know, imagine if Saul was called by the Lord and everyone else knew God had called him but everyone didn't like him. He wouldn't be a very successful king because people wouldn't be um, inclined to pay him any attention. And so a, a good leader is someone that's not only um, you know, chosen for the job, but someone that's accepted by others for the job. Later on in the kingdom of Israel, of course, king, kingship became hereditary. So sons took it on from their fathers. And so this process here isn't exactly followed. But in the next king, this is King David, it's a completely different family, a completely different tribe, and then we see the same three steps at work. And the same three steps more or less happen when anyone is called by God to do something. Um, unless it's a secret thing that no one knows about, like you might be called to, to spend your life in prayer in the quiet place and no one might know about it. We're not talking about that type of a thing. But if God's called someone to, to be a leader, then there is this kind of general three steps that happens. So once he was anointed... Um, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And um, I want to read what I've written here about anointing because there's so many things written about anointing and um, there's lots of places in the Bible where it talks about anointing. For example, in um, the book of James, it says, if any of you is sick, you know, call the elders and they will anoint you with oil for your healing. So anointing is, is a very physical act of putting oil on you. But the anointing that Saul got here is different to the anointing that I just mentioned in James for someone's healing. So you can see it right there, there's differences in anointing. And so um, people talk about having the anointing, in other words, what they often mean is having the power to do something. Um, but you can see here in this case that Saul got the anointing, it was, it was more or less God's approval of him to do a job. 
and he didn't get the power until a little bit later when the Holy Spirit fell on him. So you can see anointing is lots of things. I'm just going to read to you this paragraph I've written about it. Physically, anointing is the rubbing or the pouring of oil on something. This is done as a sign that someone or something is set aside and belongs to God. It's often a sign of God's favour or that the Holy Spirit is with that person. Many people are anointed for various tasks, but in the Bible there is one very specially anointed person, the Messiah Jesus Christ. And the Messiah, the name of that name means the anointed one. So on one hand, if, if you're serving the Lord, you're anointed, but we also have an anointed one, Jesus Christ, our Messiah. So whenever the Lord calls someone for his task, often there is an anointing that goes with it. Um, but, of course, we all follow the Anointed One, our great leader, Jesus Christ. So, um, and later on, when Saul turned bad in the chapters ahead, Samuel goes and anoints another one. He anoints David, and it seems like from the moment that David gets anointed, the Holy Spirit starts helping David, and everything starts going right in David's life, and it seems like from that time on, everything starts going bad for Saul. And um, so being anointed is clearly in this story a sign of God's approval and of his choosing. And we'll talk more about that in the chapters ahead. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, he changes them. And this is what it said here in this chapter about Saul. Samuel said to him that you will be a changed man. And he was. As Saul was going back from that anointing, he came across a group of people who were prophesying and he was changed and he started to prophesy too. He was able to do something he couldn't do before. The Holy Spirit was able to help him. But Samuel said to him, cooperate, or Samuel said to him, do what is appropriate. In other words, as he came to that moment where the Holy Spirit was upon him, he became aware of what he was supposed to do, and he allowed it to happen. He did what was appropriate, and it was his choice. And this is completely unlike what happens with demonic possession. Sometimes people are controlled by demons, but control is the word. The devil doesn't give people a choice. He seeks to infiltrate and control and to take away the people's ability to think clearly, take away their ability to speak their own words, um, to make choices. So the devil is very controlling, but the Holy Spirit is not like that at all. So when the Holy Spirit wants to work in someone's life, we need to act appropriately. In other words, we need to be willing to sense what the Lord is wanting and to choose it for ourselves. And so it's really a partnership we have with God when the Holy Spirit is at work within you. So all Christians should be encouraged to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit, to seek the anointing and empowerment to serve, and to seek to cooperate with God in doing the things that he asks. So eventually we get to stage two of Saul's choosing to become king. And this is where Samuel gathers all the nation to Mizpah and the Holy Spirit is selecting you know, they, they probably did it through the casting of lots, or they probably did it through the Urim and the Thummim, which is the thing that the priest had for making decisions. And um, we're not sure, but in any case, the tribe that got picked first up was Benjamin. And as you can see, it went along until eventually Saul was picked. So this was a very public moment where Saul was chosen in front of everyone, and they all knew this is the one that God has chosen. And of course, as soon as he's chosen, where is he? He's not there. He's hiding, hiding in the bags. And I just think it's hilarious because he he knows he's going to be picked. He knows what's going to happen and he's afraid, so he goes and hides. So he doesn't seem very kingly. 
you know, normally you think of kings as being very regal and being very confident and people who are willing to make decisions, even tough ones. And, but Saul doesn't strike you as being king, kingly material. And as soon as everyone's saying, well, where is he? And he's hiding. And then when he comes out of the bags, he's a full foot taller than everyone else. He's a tall man, seven foot tall. And Samuel says, um, look at the king that the Lord has chosen for you. <laughs> and um, I, I always think it's a bit funny that, uh, that, that, you know, everyone's focusing on how handsome he is. But I think in this moment of his behavior, Look, the Lord has chosen someone who's afraid. And we see that right through the, the rest of his life. He, he's afraid. He's afraid of the Philistines. You know, when the Goliath story happens, he's not the one to go out and fight. He's afraid of the people. So he lets them influence his decisions. He's afraid of lots of things. And it, we see it right at the beginning. And the Lord has chosen someone that they deserve. Sometimes you might hear people say, you know, we get the leaders we deserve. It's like a catch phrase, a throwaway line, it may or may not be true, but it's true in this case, that they had rejected God and chosen a king, and the Lord chose for them a king that would help them realize that. And of course, he's much more gracious. After the first king, he sends them along a king that they don't deserve, King David. And um, so we're at the beginning of a, a whole new phase in the life of Israel. We've got a united nation with one king, but having said that, they rejected God, who is their ultimate king. And in all the chapters that are ahead and the books ahead, you know, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, we're going to see how the nation of Israel goes with all these different kings and with one or two queens. We're going to realize that it's just not as good. <laughs> In fact, it's really no better than when the judges were there. We've talked about how bad the judges were. Well, it's really no better than with the, with the kings either. And you, don't, you can only wonder what would it have been like if the people had given themselves wholeheartedly to God and followed the law the way that they'd given it to Moses. Well, we don't know. But we know that we in the New Testament now, we are in the kingdom of God. And it's not a figurative kingdom. It's a real kingdom. Jesus isn't a figurative king. He's a real king. And if we, the people of God, would follow the Lord f fully and wholeheartedly as if it's a real kingdom, then we will see great, profound, and wondrous things take place on the earth as well as in the future. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chapter. We thank you for the things we learn from it. I ask that the grace and the anointing of the Lord would rest upon us upon me and upon the viewers today, so that we might be people who serve you, people who serve you not like Saul eventually to turn away from you, but people who serve you like David to follow you with a whole heart all our lives. So Lord, let grace be extended to us today in this very moment in the name of Jesus. Amen.